0: Shaday at Black Girls Texting. I know y'all see my text, you better answer me back.
1: I'm Charles Pinky, also known as the Washing Machine Queen. I'm classically trained. Me, 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 me.
2: It's Glenn at Best Brat. Wow, you did us? Goodbye. And
1: welcome to Black Girls Texting. Tea is steadily spilled in our group chat, and each week we let you in on it. I'm Chels Pinky, also known as the Washing Machine Queen.
2: I'm Glenn at Bedstuy Brat.
1: And I'm Shade
0: at Black Girls Texting. What's going on? Hey,
2: hey. What's up?
0: So, as you all will see, we have a special guest today. This is my big sister, y'all, Athena Ayers. Hi, Hi everybody.
3: Thanks for having me. Welcome. So,
0: I'm actually going to read her bio after I tell y'all what we're doing and why she's here, and it's all going to make a lot more sense. But yeah, we got my big sis in the building. <laughs> and by the building I mean my house. <laughs> We're
1: quarantined. <laughs> Quarantine.
0: Quarantine things. But um so this week we are talking about um the school to prison pipeline specifically around black girls and I wanted to start the episode and just pay respects to Ahmaud um, Arbery I want to say is how you pronounce his last name and Sean Reed Um, and support to all the black men and women who are dealing with unequal treatment right now, especially due to COVID cops are really showing out. Um, shout outs to Donnie, Wright. I don't know if you all saw that story. Chelsea shared it with us. Um, we just heard that charges were dropped against him because he never assaulted said cop. And I just want to put a big fuck you out there to NYPD officer Francisco Garcia. And I hope you get no pension and I hope you whatever that's it that's that on that wait um, and did you all
1: see the breaking news
0: yes
3: that oh yes arrested.
1: yeah so
0: the murderers good have been y'all.
3: arrested in brunswick georgia but we'll see
0: because yeah. that is georgia georgia is becoming the new florida y'all
3: it's been the florida all time atlanta is georgia right <laughs> right,
0: uh, uh, right. It's the
3: south still right? atlanta still the south mm-hmm
1: which just, just
0: black um, people in that one pocket.
3: In Atlanta is one piece of Georgia. 25 minutes outside of 285 and you are in The Sticks. Jim Crow. Mm-mm. Oh my gosh. Jim Crow. Yeah. <laughs> oh. um, but
0: the inspo for this episode came from you Glenise, um sharing the new york times article how black girls get pushed out of school um it was by erica green and it came out on april 2nd of 2020 um it's a super impactful piece so i want to read how it opens up because it literally just like threw chills through my body um, it says the tiny voice sent shockwaves across the nation. What are those for? The six-year-old asked the police officer, who pulled out zip ties that he would soon fasten around her wrists. No, don't put handcuffs on, she pleaded through tears before she was led out of her school for a temper tantrum. Staff members said she had thrown earlier the other day. Earlier that day. Please give me a second chance, the girl cried as she was escorted to the police car. Crazy, a six-year-old. Six. Six, Yeah. Oh, my
2: God.
0: Your students.
2: Exactly. Your student age, Exactly. Oh, my God. That's heartbreaking.
0: So for years, um, a group of female organizers and researchers have been gathering evidence that young Black girls are some of the most harshly disciplined and over-criminalized students, student groups in the country. But there's very little dialogue around this conversation, especially around Black girls. You hear it more so speaking to Black boys. Mm -hmm. So in the NYT piece, um, Erica Green interviews Monique W. Morris, who's the founder of the National Black Women's Justice Institute and the executive director of Grantmakers for Girls of Color. And she's really aiming to change the narrative and bring these girls' voices to the forefront. So, a documentary was done called Pushed Out, called Push Out The Criminalization of Black Girls in Schools. And it's based off of a book that um, Monique Morris published in 2015. And it takes you through the journey of five Black female students. have confronted and overcome the quote-unquote push-out phenomenon which is essentially the school-to-prison pipeline. So first I want to just encourage everyone to go check out Push Out Film, um, the book by Ms. Morris and learn more about her. She did a really dope TED Talk. It was only like 14 minutes Mm -hmm. and it was really, really insightful but um, in order to discuss this topic, we wanted to have an expert join us. Mm-hmm. Hence, my sister. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're gonna do this official tissue. We got a whole bio. Um, Athena Air states, "Too much to whom much is given, much is required." And it's not only the motto of her middle school alma mater, but the also a, a testament to her lifestyle. Yeah, I went there. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
2: <wow.
1: laughs>
0: Um, so Miss Ayers states, I choose to dedicate my life to ensuring children from my community and other community, communities like it have the same positive experience I did. Athena received her bachelor's degree in business administration with concentrations in marketing and French from Clark Atlanta. Which we were just talking about, Mr. Mm-hmm. Mr. Kenya Barris. Oh yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, followed by training with the New York City Teaching Fellows, she earned a master's degree in secondary mathematics education from City College of New York, and has been a middle school math and reading teacher since 2006. Most recently, a math instructional coach at Capital Preparatory Magnet School in Hartford. Connecticut and is also a member of the Dreambox Learning Professional Development Team.
2: Hey, we use that. Uh, exactly.
3: Yes. Yes. Mm. I was like, we have so much to talk about on this. Um mm-hmm. and I have to add in there. Now I am an instructional coach with Atlanta Public Schools Purpose Built Schools.
0: Yes. I know I was like, where's the Atlanta part? But <laughs> <laughs> um with all that being said, she knows what she's talking about. <laughs>
3: mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> um so First and foremost, before I even get into the questions, I wanted to read you guys some stats. And I know this is like a lot of like it's a heavier topic and I wanted to make sure that we come correct. Mm -hmm. Um, I found this stuff on the Push Out website Mm -hmm. and they're pretty alarming. So these stats are from 2018. I'm just going to read a couple. But black girls in high school are six times more likely than white girls to be suspended. They're three times more likely to receive one or more in-school suspensions than white female students, they're three times more likely to be restrained than white female students, four times more likely to be arrested than white females, and three times more likely to be referred to law enforcement than white females. So Athena, you have taught, advised, mentored in public schools in New York, Hartford, Connecticut, which if you don't know about Hartford, we used to call it Hoodford. I went to school there. It's like a it was it's the poorest city in the richest state as of when I went there, so since 2014 and now you're in Atlanta. Um I just wanted to hear like any firsthand experiences you've had with this issue, um especially around the disparity of the conversation uh focusing on black girls.
3: Yeah, so Whew, it is a heavy topic. Um, it can be disheartening, but um, understanding that girls need everybody to rally out there for them makes it easier to push past that and keep working. So I can give you an example from um, my most recent experience as my current school. And um, last year, this is my going on my third year there. Last year, my first year. Um, a young lady, um, you know, had some interesting meeting with a young man in a bathroom, um, where also in the bathroom, other young men joined. I was not there, so this is all like secondhand from you know reports and stuff like that. Um, she stated, you know, there was one person that, yes, she was there hooking up, but the other dudes, I don't know where they came from. So what are they doing there? And then also it seems. I think the story was told that one of the gentlemen before leaving um, assaulted her. Not the guy that, you know, she was there with whatever. It was some other guy that I guess they text each other and told everyone to come, you know, whatever. Um, And when this was reported, really nothing was done at the moment with the gentlemen that were involved. I understand that there are, you know, investigations that have to be done and things like that. And the way I got involved was um, just a conversation around it seemed so flippant. Her past was brought up. Um, oh, she has a history of trauma, so this behavior has been going on since before now. She's, you know, been fast and you know things like that come up in this, you know, with all of that going on, and she's complaining about this. And this is the conversation that's happening um, and it's conversation from men. Mm. Um, and like male staff, male teachers, male staff, yeah, male staff, conversations from men. And that's, that, that's my most recent experience. And that was a year ago. And that prompted me to start, um, a mentoring group in the school because my first thing was, yes, I'm angry with these men for discounting her and her experience and, You know what she went through but uh, on the other hand i'm like we can't be on our knees in bathrooms with boys like we can't do that Mm -hmm. we can't be in dirty public bathrooms with boys Mm
2: -hmm.
3: my other issue is boys don't invite your sister to be on her knees in a dirty bathroom doing stuff with you like we have problems there we have problems socially there so i started this group so that we could start pouring in to the girls in a very deliberate way introducing them to um, some of the reasons why we need to check where we do our things. Like, I don't have any problem with you doing your business. Like you want to get in, that's your business. I'm cool with that. I'm not <laughs> looking be- at you as you're not a sexual being. That's cool. Do what you got to do, but we do have to take care of ourselves at the same time. So in this group, we started talking about um, human trafficking, sex trafficking, because it's heavy in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. I took them on a tour um, with some police officers and, um, State reps. The, actually, one of our state reps started something called, um, oh my goodness, the Unholy Tour, which takes adults normally, um, people that are in law enforcement around Atlanta to the heavy areas where trafficking happens. Um, but I asked that we alter it for my girls to go. So we did one in the daytime, took them to the spots, and they heard firsthand stories. We were on the bus with the survivors, so that they could hear that these things happen. They also got to see that, unfortunately, one of the biggest hotels or like places where girls are kept is less than a mile away from the school that you attend. Mm, So mm. it's all over the place. Um, We also did things though, though we got the heavy stuff in, we did things to celebrate. So we brought their um, moms, if they have relationships with their moms, brought them out, brought some woman that they had a relationship with. We had brunch together. We shared our stories. We talked to each other. We wanted to just pour love into them. So we have events uh, all year that celebrate the girls most recently this year I'm working with the dancer um, Didi Ima um, that's Baton Bay with Beyonce um, she's in Atlanta she's a big oh. advocate for girls rights we've been working together all, y- all year um, starting a mentoring program and she brings you know she's connected with celebrities we work together to bring celebrities in to talk to the girls they've made vision boards um, They've invited. They've been invited to dance classes. A lot of our stuff was, you know, canceled because of COVID right now. But that's something we worked on all year. She comes to all of our um, events and talks to the girls and brings people in. So yeah, it's a real thing. It's you know, the article was written recently, but her book was a few years ago. But this is something that happens on a regular basis. So that's my most recent experience.
1: Why do you think it is that you know these black girls aren't being protected or treated as children, which they are? um, in schools?
3: I think it really is, um, an extension of how other people treat black people, black children. And I think a lot of times we don't even realize that the expectation for a black girl to act like a child is not there, even from black people. We think it's only white people that treat us this way, but black girls are hyper-sexualized, So they're looked at as adult people from a very, very young age. I
0: saw a stat. It was like six years, as early as six years old. Yeah. So you're looking mm -hmm.
3: Mm -hmm. so you have this practice of looking at girls like they're adults. A lot of times um, girls are often forgotten because the push has been on boys for decades. Mm -hmm. So girls are definitely left behind. So no one is really thinking about the achievement of girls, the self-esteem of girls, what's making girls, black girls tick Um, because we're left behind there. Um, We're not thought of as something that's at the top tier of importance, but on the flip side, what's crazy is we're looked at to further society at the same time. So Mm -hmm. it's like a really odd thing. Um, I'm not sure exactly why, it happens. Um, my only thing I could think of like a quick answer would be like ignorance mm-hmm. um, and just and, and just looking at, just forgetting, I guess, like just taking on um, an attitude of an oppressor. Mm. It's just kind of in, in you and you don't even realize you could be the most black power person and you still act like this. I know men that have daughters and they still forget about the girls in school like you're not even looking at these girls like this could be my daughter mm-hmm.
0: yeah you. it's i wanted to ask you guys do you feel like you've ever experienced i guess a uh, being villainized compared to other students in your schools or just like any experiences you may have had with it in school
2: yeah i feel like i talked about this before maybe in a recent episode, but when I was in high school, I went to this like predominantly white, prestigious public school up on the Upper West Side. And when I first got there, I just felt like super uncomfortable and like I couldn't keep up with these kids that were around me. And I remember I plagiarized on one of my essays in English class and it turns into a whole thing. And I went to, I got taken to the principal's office and she was like, do you wanna go back to your zone school like your zone school's boys and girls right I'm sure that would be easier for you to go to the school right in your neighborhood wouldn't it as if she's a white person a white lady yes as if, yeah you like, said this on the last episode exactly like as if and literally I've never forgotten it and I didn't know what to how to make sense of it at the time but like the fact that it stuck with me so much it's like the fact that she would hang something over my head like that like a threat for this one thing that I did and as I said I, it's, it's so ironic that like now I'm a writer and I was plagiarizing on something it wasn't because I couldn't do it <laughs> right. it was because I like I was feeling insecure freshman. there was a, a lot of mm. things I was a freshman there how about have a conversation with me first if I make this OD threat and like hang something over my head and, and say like I could send you back like you don't essentially like you don't belong here right. and, ar- mm. and already assuming that my zone school was going to be a school that wasn't any good Um, and I had a lot of experiences like that in general in school. Like I can say that, you know, people tried to look out for me in some ways, but I always felt like they were, um, like stereotyping me. They'd be like, oh, Glenn, I really want you to come on the college tour. I think you could really use this experience. It's good for you. (laughs) What the fuck are you talking about? My mom is going to drive me on a college tour next week to HBCUs taking me to fucking um, I can't remember the damn name of the school (laughs) I went on the damn trip too it was crazy Um, but a quick another quick anecdote that I that's been on my mind so much recently I remember when I was in middle school I went to 113 all black I had amazing the faculty Mm -hmm. and staff there was amazing like all black teachers that were just like holding us down like oh my god they were amazing and i remember one time i was in gym and me and the, the girls i was in class with tagged up the the walls in the locker room for some reason i don't know why
0: Len was always trying to be a goon yeah I'm like, no, i think what? about this all the time because i
2: i don't know why i was thinking about like the beginning, what is the it that when people career. start doing stuff you just like want to get in the I don't know like I just I wrote like one word on the wall and the the next thing I knew I had like covered the whole thing (laughs) like I just we all we none of by the time we were all done we looked around like what did we do do (laughs) 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 we lost our minds and basically we all had to come to school every morning at like 7 (laughs) a.m and just like sit with the vice principal and like run errands and it was (laughs) not errands. yes
3: I did that to a student absolutely yeah, absolutely. Come see me. Right? That's <laughs> what we do. But we were like a little squad. It was like seven girls. And by
2: the end, we had like, to do it for like a month. And then we were all like this after. We were like so bonded. And yeah, I don't know. It was dope. Mm. Damn. Damn. Sorry. One more thing. I remember I cut school too in the eighth grade. Jesus. <laughs> She's my,
3: just
2: like, I was a terrible student. Right. I was a bad <laughs> no, my, other, like my other vice principal saw me in Atlantic Terminal Mall, black lady girl my mom. she was like auntie so, Ann's. yeah literally literally With literally RJ. Or, or uh cold stones and um <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but she called my mom and she i remember she was like you are too like you're not supposed to be getting in trouble like this so you're right. always going to get caught so mm-hmm. stop messing around mm-hmm. but like that approach was so, so different when thinking about yeah. those yeah, yeah.
0: What about you, Miss Skyler? She's like I was an A plus student. A you do do that,
1: Skyler.
3: I in was Schuyler. a great
1: mm-hmm. student. I had a very close relationship to Miss Lonnie. Do you? Did you have Miss Lonnie?
3: I didn't. Mm-mm. Okay, she's
1: like she's like the dance teacher there. That I feel like everyone has, who I've met. For dance. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, I had some great experiences at Skyler. Amazing teachers, yeah. amazing mentors. To this day, I still remember their names. I still, when I run into them, it's mad love um but when i went to my high school i also went to like a predominantly white school a private boarding school and i remember i think this is when twitter like just started and i tweeted like because we had to go to saturday classes because it was boarding school so we went to school six days a week and i tweeted i hate the hill school it's like jail here and like whatever i'm tweeting on my twitter like whatever I get called into the dean's office and same thing. It was a white woman. And she was like, do you need to get, if, if this school's so bad and so horrible, maybe you need to go home then. Mm, that's and I'm just like, ridiculous. and like thinking, obviously in the moment, I'm just like scared because my mom would threaten me all the time. Like, don't fucking get kicked out of that school. But in my adult years, I'm like, kids were doing cocaine. Right. And I tweeted, <laughs> right. you're threatening me to get, like, to get kicked out. I wasn't drinking in high school. I wasn't doing drugs in high school. I tweeted because I was frustrated that I had Saturday sure? class. No, I wasn't doing that at boarding school. Oh, I did it when Nick, you introduced me to the at dr- home, drinks. <laughs> on the weekends. <laughs> no, <laughs> you were the one, shy. <laughs> but, um, yeah, and I'm, like, thinking about that as an adult. And I'm like, that was wildly inappropriate to do that, especially to this girl who's one of like five black kids in the entire school. You know I'm a financial aid student. You know I have oh, cool. added pressure. Mm-mm. You know I have added pressure from my single mom who who like busted her ass to get me here. Oh, and God. you're gonna like threaten me about a tweet.
3: Right. Imagine and, how she
2: gets not know that's gonna get you worked up and emotional. Oh my! Um, I was tired. All, all, all those for, things though. you just listed. Yeah. Yeah.
3: yeah. And, that's all it's for.
1: And, and it was just like. Like a, a means of power or like, I remember we had a, a very, a pretty strict dress code and we couldn't have pants with rivets. So rivets are like the little metal things on jeans.
3: Mm-hmm. And so that's
1: how they determine if a pant was like a jean. So oh, okay. I remember I got so excited because I got these pants on sale at the outlet for J. Crew. And they were like corduroy pants, and they had rivets. But I was like, they don't look like jeans; like they're corduroys. They're not jeans. They're not jeans. And <laughs> yeah, I wore I mean. them to school, and that same te- that same like woman was like hater, like barked on me about being mm-hmm. out of dress code. And I was just like, one, are you gonna buy me a whole new wardrobe? Like it, it was just like the approach was just not not okay, not correct. And I think it did have to do with her being a white woman that was like out of touch and like not interested in getting to know me or like Mm -hmm. caring for me like a child. And Mm -hmm. so she treated me as an adult.
2: It's like this constant reminder Mm -hmm. that you don't belong there. And and real quick, I was, Looking into this like push out idea, and it's it says that it's also like wrapped up in the school's reputation, and like they deliberately mm-hmm. try to push out kids that maybe aren't performing as, as well as they would want them to, or something, because then the testing scores that once they're all aggregated for the school, the school can be deemed like super,
3: ah, deemed a good school, absolutely. basically. Mm-hmm. Instead everything of like pouring happens. into those
2: kids with yeah. resources, but everything I think that they-
3: happens in, in education is around resources and money and and finances
1: i think they they pick and choose though who they push out because even when i worked at a private school i won't say any names um there were little kids and i've taught kindergarten and pre-k fours and there were some little kids that weren't acting like the other kids for whatever reason, maybe they weren't ready, maybe they needed extra attention, needed extra support. But for some reason, the black kids that behaved that way were literally kicked out of the school. Or what was it called, like counseled out. Versus like, I had a white child who, and mind you, I don't think any of these kids are bad. They were five years old, like they're kids. Um, And I had a white kid that literally tried to sneak out of school and sneak through the gates and he like literally and he did not get kicked out he didn't get pushed out
2: he's still there
1: and that's because his family has more money than god and
0: he's white yeah that's crazy Um, something that i think is really interesting about all of our experiences though is we all left our predominantly black public mm -hmm. schools and went to predominantly white schools Mm -hmm. and i know for me like my teacher literally told my parents that I needed to like get out of the school. Okay. Yeah.
2: Out of your, your school. Yeah, mm.
0: but like for all the people that that doesn't happen for. they stuck. W- then what happens to them? And it Girl. may not even just be as simple as, I don't wanna say as simple as, but it may not even be necessarily that they get pushed out of said school, but they're just never going to have access right to those resources and it's like i I appreciate that woman i appreciate the the privileges and advantages that i've had Mm -hmm. but it's so wild to even think about like education Mm -hmm. someone having to like kind of tap my parents Mm -hmm. on the shoulder and say get her out Mm -hmm. and knowing that they had the means in a way to be able to even do that because like why me why not who meant off
3: a
2: list of names, right. That's right. what I was
3: going to say when Glenn was talking that, and Chelsea, your story also, like you all are very lucky that you had a support system. Yeah. And if I go back to Chelsea's original question, I think I can answer it a little bit better because this is something that's been on my mind. So in addition to ignorance, the other part of it is that the adult in the situation um, is really not the the larger piece of the problem. The larger piece of the problem is us as Black people and Black girls feeling empowered. If I felt empowered and had a certain amount of confidence, there's nothing that you can say to me in any of these situations. Like if I were empowered and I'm confident and that white woman said to me, do you want to go back to your school? I'm going to have something for you. Mm -hmm. Or they're not going to even fool with you like that. Because they already know, like, she's not the one to play with. Mm Right. But we don't come with that a lot of times. And we don't come with the support too many times. So a lot of times our schools get to do these things to us because it's already ingrained in us, really as a Black community, it's ingrained in us that we're not empowered to do anything. That Mm -hmm. we are waiting for someone to come and give us what it is that we need. Um, So then that trickles down to our children, and when they go into other spaces, how they interact and how people treat them. So you all are lucky that you all had that support, which will add to your confidence. Because if you know that your mother is taking you on a college tour next week, so bitch, what you talking about? (laughs) Then you already, you know, you're up a level. You're already up there. And our schools get to do these things. And, you know, you hear the word touted, that phrase touted, uh, achievement gap, achievement gap. It's honestly not an achievement gap. There is a resource gap, absolutely. Mm -hmm. But it's honestly not an achievement gap. There's nothing that's saying that black girls cannot achieve like white girls. We normally don't have the resources, which a big part of that is the mentoring that we need. There needs to be like a body on every black girl Mm -hmm. to watch her grow and support her through the crap that she's going to get through. a lot of times in in the neighbors that I work in, like the districts that I work in, I've only worked in Title I schools professionally. Um, I have worked in like... What does that mean? Oh, sorry, yes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Title I means that you receive um, larger doses of federal funding because your um, student body, a certain percentage of them um, receives free lunch. So it's usually like 90% of your kids qualify for free lunch. So you're a dean, Title I, and you receive funds so that you can get these resources. The problem is that the conversation keeps revolving around um, equality. And I think even in a Black community, we talk about equality, equality, we scream equality, equality, equal, equal, equal. But we leave out equity all the time, and those are two very different things. Mm -hmm. So I'm getting these funds because I'm supposed to be leveling the playing field Mm. with those kids that are in the suburbs achieving or whatever that don't look like us. So we get these funds, but what's missing is the equity piece. The equality, you're giving everybody the same thing. Right. equity is I am paying attention to you and figuring out what you need to succeed and I'm giving you that mm-hmm. in addition to the money. So as we keep screaming about equality, even the people that we tout as our community leaders, that equity conversation has to be on top so mm-hmm. that we can start fighting the right fight. Um, so until you know, we get some people up in there to protect our girls and show them uh, what life can be, and model it for them and come in and really get involved. You have to be involved on so many levels, like at home, follow them to school, follow them after school, like really be there. And we can really get some work done with our black girls.
1: Yeah. I think the piece you said about confidence is really important. And like, even I've never been a mother, but um, I always think about how I would like to mother my kids um, and what I want to take from my mom, what I want to adapt, what I want to change. And one major thing that I see with a lot of these white children is they're just brought up to like, really just be so confident. Like Mm -hmm. even the ones that they ain't that smart, they're not that bright. They're not Mm -hmm. that talented, but they feel like they are. And I feel like that confidence is just like something that's so key Um, in that moment when the woman was like, do you want to go back home? You know, I could have, Expressed how I'm doing better than half the student body academically, so right. I don't think you want me to go mm. back home. Um, and like all these things that I now feel so comfortable saying, but at that moment I was, I was timid. I was in this all white, right. thrown into this all white space, yeah. thrown into this extremely wealthy space. And I think that's another point that I was thinking about um, how we all kind of went from these black schools to these white schools. Mm. That's something I've also been contemplating. Like, is that a good thing? You know, should we be pouring into our own schools as a community versus like pulling our talented kids out and putting them in these white spaces where they're just faced with all this bullshit on the daily Mm. um, and like how that affects our mental and um, Mm. what we can be doing as a community to just like, you know, make our own shit. Yeah. Top tier. Yeah. Okay, Marcus, we just, <laughs> getting, we just getting
2: it ready. We're getting talking about? About?
3: <laughs> we doing a pilgrimage. We getting out of yeah, here. Right. I'm ready. That's it. You have to, because we keep doing that. We keep thinking that white is right. And we keep mm-hmm. like sacrificing our children and throwing them into white spaces, thinking that it's better. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. When unfortunately, some of the things you will get out of it will be better, but it doesn't have to be that way. Right. Um, we can build. We have so many educators in the black community. Like it's mm. like, why don't we have a dope school somewhere? Right. Like, why? I mean, we have a couple of them, you know, like the capital Prep, that where I worked, um, with Steve Perry. Um, they're doing some good things in there.
1: Skylar was dope too.
3: Yeah, Skylar super dope. Do you know TVT anything about LeBron school?
2: anymore? I was just thinking about
3: LeBron. Know, LeBron school I right hear I I haven't Gone in there to see because there's a lot now, there's a difference. Mm -hmm. You can read about the school, Mm -hmm. but you got to go in the school Mm -hmm. and observe and see how the teachers are, see how the students are, because there's a lot of tricky things that still go on. Like you will hear schools tout, you know, a hundred percent of our graduates go on to four year colleges. But that's kind of like a tricky language because it's Mm -hmm. like 100% of my graduates, but that doesn't mean 100% of my seniors. That just means that, you know, if I had 100 seniors, what if there's only 20 seniors graduating? All of them went to college. Mm. But 80 people are still 11.5. They're still, like, junior and a half. They're not quite seniors. You know, so paying attention to stuff like that, you really have to go into the schools. And um, we do. We do have to go in, um, observe. We have to hold... Uh, these spaces accountable for how they are treating our children and we have to i know for myself advocate for the girls around us i have an example of shopping with my daughter um she's only four now so this might have been when she was two and she was crying in the store and i'm trying to change the face of black mother and not go into Mm -hmm. the whole what you crying about slapping people and all that you know (laughs) I'm trying to be like, I'm going to let you feel your feelings. <laughs> are you feeling so sad? Tell me what's happening. And we're just going around the story, you know, whatever. And this white woman is like, why are you so angry? Why are you so angry? And the wait, child? Your child? To, to my child, to my child. Right. And then like, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of like breaking apart the situation as it's happening because my first response is like, oh, I gotta knock you out. Like, who are you talking to? But you can't just go knocking out white women because that's just not how things, you know, are set up in society. So I'm really trying to break down the situation. I'm realizing that she thinks that she is, you know, like being friendly or talking to a child in child language or whatever. And I didn't think that I fully advocated for my own child in that Mm. moment and it made me so angry I was so angry um that I don't know if I felt comfortable saying something or if I was trying to figure out where she's coming from so Mm -hmm. maybe I can you know and I don't feel like we have to do that all the time like sometimes you got to pop off and just be like no thank you or you know I don't know but we have to advocate for the girls around us ourselves to really start building that yeah. don't worry i make up for it every day like i build i am like chelsea was talking about like listen i'm picking apart what makes a successful white man what are those qualities what what are those white men out there doing what are they like and we're gonna instill some of that um confidence yeah in this black girl because I, I want you to be think- out there acting like a white a, white <laughs> <laughs>
2: a Todd. Time, right? <laughs> I've been thinking this idea about like confidence and like boldness in black girls. And I think about all the girls like, that I went to middle school with that I thought were like so fearless. I remember seeing girls that would literally fight boys or like if anybody said anything to them, they would like pop off. Like they seemed, again, fearless. Um, but at the same time, like that was the type of behavior or like attitude that was always vilified, villainized. So um, I don't know kind of thinking about like what's that balance and, and even if I guess you were to explore their attitudes deeper, there's, there's, there's a lot of like vulnerability and like fear beneath mm-hmm. all yeah. of that too. Right?
1: Yeah, I'm definitely not an expert, but just from remembering my times at Skylar, like when kids would fight teachers and crazy stuff would happen, I feel like it was the opposite. It wasn't coming from a place of like confidence or boldness. It was like a place of insecurity. Like I'm so mad right now and I can't even like express myself in words. And like, I can't even like, like I'm so mad that like I have to hit you, you know? Like, I don't know if that's the correct way of looking at it, but I think we also need to empower young black girls especially to like not turn to fighting. Right. Mm -hmm.
3: So that goes into a lot of that social emotional learning that has Mm -hmm. to start at home first. Like Mm -hmm. the schools, we have to have those programs, of course. But I feel like by the time you get to like a high school, that's like a support program that has to be like that social emotional has to be at home um, a lot a good portion of it because it has to start very early. Like when my daughter, we started talking about feelings very early because for that very reason, I don't want you to um, hit, think about what level, like if these feelings are like a thermometer, like angry is the top. You might just be frustrated. But if all I know is when I feel like this, I kick things, then right. that's what I'm going to do as opposed to looking through it as, okay, hold on they just pushed the chair and it tapped my toe. Am I frustrated? Am I hurt? Am I angry? Am I raging? Like which one of these is it so that I can attach the correct response to it? Mm
2: -hmm. And I think
3: we miss that piece because we don't really, in Black households, talk about feelings. A lot of times Mm -hmm. we don't care about kids' feelings. um, And that has to definitely stop.
0: But also to put it back on the school, I feel like there's so many factors and I don't want to, um stereotype or generalize but to the point of a lot of black kids not being able to express their feelings in the same way that white children are even that even if that's in the home you see that in schools like a black kid having a temper tantrum versus a white kid having a temper tantrum mm-hmm. a, a black girl having a temper tantrum versus a white girl having a temper tantrum like why is it that if a black girl has a temper tantrum, she has a problem. She's angry. A white girl has a temper tantrum. It's just like, let's all go hug on Jessica because yep. she's sad.
1: Because society is racist. And I feel and like was, we yeah. need to, like, come to terms with that. Like, I feel like white people need to know that you could be the best, kindest white person. You have racist thoughts and, like, mm. racial bias biases. And you have to, like literally know that and, like, come to terms with that so that when these things happen, you can do a double take. And a an, even Black people have, like, racial, yes. like, biases. And, like, yes. so I think we just all need to, like, really understand that and, like, come to terms with it.
2: Yeah. I was going to say, I don't know, there's a story of, I hope her name is Kai, Kai Roll. But she was arrested six years old in Orlando for having a temper tantrum.
1: Oh, Yeah. That's how this thing opened. Yeah, exactly right.
2: So we're bringing it back to the temper tantrum thing. And I I mean, the amount of times that I've sat with children and just calmed them down and sat with them while they screamed at my school is like crazy The amount of patience that has been given to them. But also um, thinking about that social emotional learning, like now that I'm an educator, there's just so many things that we think about and this like very individualized approach that, I mean, I can't remember how, I was taught really. I turned out all right, I guess. But like, I feel like just you know, well, that's that private school. Soul.
1: That's that I'll private sell. school. Way. Right. Because right. I taught, I taught at a charter school, and I'll call them out. Success Academy. They didn't care about them kids' feelings. It was about like uh, the grades, the reading level. <laughs> uh, can they do their math stories? Like kids crying because they're frustrated. No, you go to the dean's office. Whereas when I taught at a private school, the social emotional part is such a huge part of yeah. learning
2: everything. Yeah. Mm. Everything. It's like look, it's like a whole child approach.
3: And like, you know what? Yeah. Adding on to that, the flip side of what's going on in the school because I worked in the building where the first success was placed, oh, okay. and um, that was my first school that I worked in before they came and kind of pushed the school out basically is that yeah. when
0: they were putting schools like charter schools
1: in and
3: schools. they were cold, cold. that's what's Yo, happening that with Skylar that was crazy Skylar yeah. has
1: mad schools in it that's now. mad crazy I didn't know to, that to really it's Skylar not the same now. it's they've mm-hmm. ruined it
3: that's terrible bonkers so that school was the top school that's terrible but yeah the flip side mm-hmm. of that is um before success came into that building um I taught in the elementary it was a it's a it was pre-K through eighth grade school in there, um, PS 149, Sojourner Truth. And I taught in elementary and I was in the middle school. So by this time when success came in there, I was at the middle school level. And what I noticed was our kids would come in. Some of them would be just late walking in with a bacon, egg and cheese, just Mm -hmm. like, what up, you know, whatever. But their little sibling, their mothers would be running down seventh avenue running up 116th oh. street to try to catch that door before they closed that door they were volunteer. you cannot be late
2: mm-hmm.
3: cannot be late but when it was for that charter school even though the kid mm-hmm. was like you saw those those stories you know where the kids were like peeing on themselves because they couldn't go to the bathroom at success and they were, like, writing what? on this, yes. Oh, yes. I God. quit success they, because they it made me so uncomfortable. Stuff. They do jail stuff. Like, the kids would walk around, like, how you would have inmates walk around with their hands behind their backs when they're walking in the hallway. They did stuff like that. This is stuff that I've seen. I read articles about it later, the, the intricacies of it. But stuff that I literally saw because I was what? in the building, the kids walked through the hallway like the jail, like inmates. The yeah. um, practice that they would do with inmates so that you can keep your hands to yourself or whatever. Um, but the, the parents would accept that. They would be running to get there before that door closed if you were late. Meanwhile, same, t- same household, older child, stroll into the Black school whenever you feel like it. So we let those things happen again because the face of success looks different than what my face looks like. Mm.
1: Yeah, I feel like It's so systematic, though, because I'm trying to imagine myself as, and I'm not trying to stereotype, but if I'm a single mom and I'm hearing that this school yields success, Uh, you know, you're going to go to that school, you're going to get high test scores, you're going to go to a great college. I'm like so excited. And it's a lottery. Like the whole system is like, it's a lottery to get in. So you get in and it's like, yes, I made it to this good school. It's almost like I'm in a private school for free. Um, But... Like I've experienced teaching there and literally they were like, Chelsea, you're a great teacher. You connect with the children so well, but you're not stern enough with them. Um, They would observe me and observe my teaching. And um, they were like, kids didn't have their hands folded the entire time. They weren't tracking you. you. They They weren't weren't tracking tracking you the entire time. I was like, these kids are seven years old. They're understanding the lesson. They're excited to come into class. I don't have my kids crying because they're confused about how to read a word. That's so sad. That's scary. It is. Yeah, it's It's like jail. Things like
3: that break down our kids and especially break down our girls. Um, Because the other experience I have is that from my mom, they would come in, let's say parent-teacher night, and it was for a son. And I'm saying, you know, listen, he's always late to school. We have this assignment, this assignment was not turned in the test scores look like this here's the data like we have really like can we work together well you know he's trying his hardest and you know you know on the weekend he plays football and you know he does this and Mm -hmm. stuff i don't know you know all this stuff but same conversation for a girl Mm -hmm. what she don't she don't do what get over here Get You don't, you don't mm. do what? You're not doing your homework? You coming to school late? Oh, she's going to get it together. Next mm. week, watch. Tomorrow when she come in here, she's going to be a whole new person because we don't play that, and it's for the girl. Mm. So we spend a lot of time that's cuddling so Black boys and treating Black girls like adults. So they are never um, feeling, not never, that's a strong word, but they really feel, that really is another strong word, but they <laughs> May not <laughs> often I was gonna say often <laughs> <laughs> feel that support that they need, and again, that's breaking down that confidence. So if I'm mm-hmm. getting broken down at home and broken down by society when it's time for me to do pretty much anything, um, I'm not going to maybe perform that well at it. I also may take on an attitude that. know i want to get out of this situation so badly that i'm going to do my best so i can get out of here but that still comes with its own amount of pressure and Mm. um you know constraints in there Um, another thing i noticed is um there's this cycle of a lot of times envy between mother and daughter um Mm. that i couldn't peg what it was for a while but when i kept seeing the behavior I noticed that it, there was a lot of envy um, between mother-daughter and it spans. It's not like, oh, when I was teaching in Harlem, this is what happened. I saw it and I taught in three different states. And envy I keep seeing it. Envy like, um, whatever the mother's childhood was, was good enough for them. And why mm-hmm. should you get better? Mm-hmm. Um, envy like, you know, this is where I've succeeded. So what do you see in her that she should go further than me or that she should be away from me? She needs to, you know, do what I do or do what I tell her to do or I need help in the house and she can't go nowhere. So she ain't going to France on that trip that y'all are trying to plan. Mm. She needs to take care of the baby, you know, like there's just stuff like that. That happens a lot with our black girls. Um, I know for me, and and, it, and sometimes it's very subtle. Like, sometimes it's overt like that, where mothers will be like, nah, she ain't doing that. Like, this is all you need right here. You don't need all of that. You need to, you know, do something else with yourself. This ain't hitting. But then it's also subtle. Like, for me, um, and this will be new for Sade, so, you know, sorry, but <laughs> um, growing up, I didn't have the same lifestyle that Sade had. Mm-hmm. I grew up with a single mm-hmm. mom, and my mother was a teenager. So... I grew up understanding that, and I grew up also with my mother like sacrificing everything. Mm -hmm. Everything. Like my mother had duck shoes that she would wear in the winter. You know those rubber shoes? Mm -hmm. They had a hole in them. Like Mm -hmm. she wore them because we needed stuff. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So I grew up um, understanding that we didn't have a lot but my mother worked really hard to get me what I needed so I didn't ask for extra. And I kept that thought mm. for so long and i never asked for a lot of things mm-hmm. so like when i got to high school i was a french buff like i started taking french in sixth grade and i continued on through i was taking latin in high school french everything i went to midwood um and i remember my teachers saying oh my god you are so talented you need to go to, I would study abroad, you know, blah, blah, blah. This is a college, sorry. needs to go to study abroad. And, you know, this is the program and here it is. I took the paper and I was like, oh gosh, I'm so excited. I walked out the room and threw it away because I was like, I can't ask You're her not for,
2: for yeah, $2,000. I can't ask her for that
3: because she doesn't have it. I just grew up with her with that. I and mean, so she never said, don't ask for nothing. You right. can't have nothing. It, it was just me internalizing growing up as this Mm. child with this single black mother who works all the time, that this is what you do to make life smooth. Mm, So there could be a lot of that. Also, it's very, um, it's it's, um, kind of an innate thing sometimes
0: too. Oh my God, we have to do another episode because I'm like, do you think (laughs) I'm a demon? demon?"
1: No,
3: No, but you know the thing is this though, (laughs) I became an advocate for you because I saw the same things, like, no, don't stop her. She mm. wants to do what? Let her go.
2: Mm.
3: Like, mm. she wants to go, go, let her go. Like, don't wow. stop her. And then I would tell you the same thing too, like, no, tell mommy that's what you want to do. Mm-hmm. Because I, I already knew what that was. Yeah. I like I love beautiful. having a big
2: I could cry. <laughs> Me too. For real, I'm like, oh my gosh, Shade, <laughs> wow.
1: My, um, yeah, my. Spoiled. <laughs> Uh my older sister is she's 16 years older than me and it's yeah we're 15 apart yeah it's crazy that you told that story because she always like there was a point where we all three lived in the house together and we would get into arguments you know three women in a house um and my sister would be frustrated and my mom would be like stop acting like you're jealous or whatever and my sister would get so pissed off at my mom Mm. using that word and she's like, it's not that I'm jealous. It's that we had different experiences. And it's, it's so interesting you tell your story. My sister got into UNC Chapel Hill because one of her high school teacher, teachers saw something in her and helped her do the application, all of that stuff. And my sister ripped it up because she knew that my mom wouldn't mm-hmm. be able to afford it. And I, my mom's also an immigrant, so they didn't know about financial aid and all that stuff my my turn my sister literally filled out all of the paperwork with my mom to get all of the you know to figure out how to make it work for me to go to all these like elite private schools so i feel like your point earlier about a mentor of course my mom is like my mentor but like also my sister held it down like her like just being there with whatever additional information that she got you know, growing up in this country and having her own experiences and pour that into me. And like, that was the result. And so it's going to be passed down to my nieces who get it from me, my sister and my mom. And like, mm-hmm. but I think we need to also think about the girls who maybe don't have that family support. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, And figuring out how to mentor and pour into into them as well.
3: Yeah. And it has to be real mentorship. So many of our mentorship programs are like, the sexiness mm-hmm. like i'm a post that i have this girl's program and right. blah 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 we blah had a tea. Or, yeah like nah we need real life like big brother big sister the black edition like right. i mean there's this big brother i'm sure like i think more so but mm-hmm. for our girls we we definitely need that um and it has to start very very early
1: are there any programs need, like, like that
3: The closest thing that I see coming to starting early to work with families through academics is like Harlem Children's Zone. Um, But it's still not that one-on-one mentoring, like we're focusing on girls and girl things and girl issues. And um, I specifically want to work with black girls. Because you also looks like you got to start one. I know, right? Mm. It it looks like you have to, uh, and and people have to be vetted also because people take advantage of black things and black girls. Mm. Um, so to get the mentors, you got to go through some things Mm. and make sure people ain't trying to traffic and do stuff like that because they will try that. Um, but I don't know. I mean, there are there are great programs for black females. I mean. But I don't know one that starts off like, "Here are a pool of mentors.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Your child is four, right? Let's get to know this family, and this is big sister, and yes. going through all of this, you know, all as soon as we start school, boom, we got somebody on us that's like another person in the village that's mm-hmm. helping.
2: I was literally about to say that word, village. Oh my God! Yeah, because
3: in the village.
2: Um. My dad always says that that I grew up in a village, and like all these different people in my life are the village people, and like well, who right. would I be without them? And I was even thinking, this is kind of like a backtrack, but I think we've talked on the show before about the Afrocentric schools. Like I went to Little Sun People, oh, and those yes. I, went people? Oh, okay. no, I went to Sparks. Oh, okay. I went to Sparks, so that's genius
0: yeah. But um, Manny and them were at Little Sun People, right?
3: No, they worked there, but they went to, back in the days when I was coming up, there was a whole Black community. The, um, mm-hmm. the people that do African Street Festival, it started out as the East community, mm-hmm. and there was a faction in Harlem as well. But they had their own stores, schools, everything. Right. They believed in Marcus Garvey. Yep. Um, so the East family had <laughs> Yohara Sasa, <it> <laughs> Shule, and in Harlem, I can't remember what this school was called, but they had their own schools. And then little some people would be like born out of that.
2: I love that exactly. name, Little Sun People. Me too. I mean, that's even it's like such there. a beautiful concept. It's still there.
3: Mama Fela um, is killing her daughter does it now, I think. But they are super dope.
2: I love that. Yeah, I, I keep thinking and everything that you were saying, Like, I think about some of the mentor things that I even did. And like, you know, I was in Jack and Jill and it's like the cotillion stuff (laughs) literally going and like do i don't even remember what it's called like etiquette classes and shit like that like whatever that's cute but like where are the programs where it's just like who are you as a person like let's mold you or give you the space to to just be yourself be free be like color outside of the lines like the way that you were talking about um success and the ways that they had to walk down the hallway is like Bonkers to me. I remember when I applied to my high school, I heard that they, that teachers used to rollerblade down the hallways, and I was like, "Oh my god, that sounds like freedom! Like, mm-hmm. like joy! Like yeah. education should have joy as well." Yeah. Black people's, we can't do anything. Think about I was Tamir about to Rice. Say
3: Chelsea go say it. <laughs> he, yeah. he was
1: he was playing what cops right. and robbers. Yeah, like we can't do anything, and like that's yeah. It's just. It's like i don't know where it starts does it start at home and like we need to just go out of our way to like let our kids be kids and like also advocate for them when schools come with the bullshit let them know like it's a child and like let's talk let's talk about this in a different way like i don't know but it's being black
0: yeah i was that was one of the questions i had like who's going to bring the issue to the forefront like obviously not, not our administration but is does there need to be like a coalition of black teachers that like come together and do this? Because I feel like there's so many levels to it. Like I can sit here as an outsider looking in and say, Oh, I've seen these things. I've heard these things. I've experienced these things. I can see the stark differences between PF 308 and Brooklyn friends Mm -hmm. and millennium high school, which are kind of like low tier, mid tier, high, whatever. But you also have to understand the systems. Like I'm hearing the, the funding behind it. And I'm like, if our kids need the funds because it all goes back to slavery, Glenn. If our kids need the funds because of the, because of the disparities that we experience because of slavery and, and all the other inequalities and injustices that have been put upon us, then how do we make that work to our advantage? How do we flip the script and now say, okay, now we have all these funds. If they're allocated to the right people, we could make... The right things happen but it sounds like they're being allocated to people that are just like absolutely
3: because you get funds besides title one you get funds based on your success as well so it's dumb because the schools that need the most help are the failing schools but then if you're failing right. you don't get money um, right. so it goes back to no sense. probably having independent schools which I think the issues with our independent schools that are specifically geared toward black people, um, it goes back to, this is going to sound crazy. Y'all Y'all can cut it if you want to, but something that we were talking about black business, Smart. the same issues there. Like we can have great ideas. We can, you know, have the crew, we can have the market, we can put it out there, but how you do your business is what's going to keep you thriving. And, a lot of our businesses don't have great business models or um don't have business don't have great business
2: savvy sort
3: of like savvy that's the word i'm looking for so we're not thriving and unfortunately the same thing applies to a lot of our independent black schools is that business savvy in keeping the schools thriving there are because there's a whole coalition of independent black schools. I can't remember what it's called, but there's a whole thing where you could just like go to this place and see a list of all the African centered black schools in the United States, and they uh, they are there. Um, you don't know about them. <laughs> That's the first thing. <laughs> I'm like,
2: what? There's a list. Um, I can't so on.
3: part of business is marketing and PR. Yeah. We do we don't know where they are, but they yeah. exist. There's a whole coalition. Um, I know the. The director of that thing
1: but like um, knowing that we've been started here and white people started here i feel like the government should be funding that
3: no, no that's supposed to be like that or or not i feel like the
1: government <laughs> i feel like By the design. government should be giving special aid to all black schools right like,
3: that's like that equity piece right yeah right. like hbcu so should be getting extra savviness. money that's right. the savviness in there so like A lot of folks, even in public schools, the folks that run these thriving public schools know how to finesse how the money gets worked out. Mm. We don't really know how to finesse money Mm. in that way. I think we're a few decades behind in the money finessing. Like, we're not sharks like that, a lot Mm. of us. So, um, and then I also see, like, now, now that we have social media is popping around like this, We have some folks that may be black that might know how to finesse the money, but they are going to charge you to get that knowledge. So we're not like coming together and saying, listen, you know how to finesse money. I have a school. I got the academic background. Let's get together and let's work this school out. Because I think an ideal school has an operations manager and an academic manager, Mm -hmm. like two principals, and you can run that school and run it like a machine. Um, but we don't have that savvy. So, like, if I knew I'm a black school, there, there, there is, there are millions, probably billions of dollars out there to help a school. But mm-hmm. you have to know which lane is and finesse it. So, if I am, if I see that there is a, a bucket of money of ten million dollars, if you have a focus on STEM, mm-hmm. I'm gonna have to get some of that money because something in STEM is gonna is about to pop off at my school. Like it's gonna <laughs> happen. And I'm writing that grant and I'm getting that money. Mm-hmm. If there's a grant for the arts, you, I'm getting that money. Like you've got to finesse um, what your business is doing. And I think people leave business out of school, which is what keeps getting other people over because business, school is a business.
2: Mm. And
3: we keep thinking about the fuzzy warm part of it. And yeah, we need that part. Keep the fuzzy warm, but get a shark to do right. that business part. And bring that in there so you can get these things that you need. Fill out that paperwork. Get in the right rooms. Get at the right tables to get the money. We have too many Black people that have a lot of money for us to not have dope schools.
1: Yeah. I Going back to slavery, I think that there needs to be a major re-education in our community of, like, helping each other. Sometimes people say Black people with money can be worse than White people with money. And, like, not sharing information, not sharing resources, not pooling things together and I don't know, I think it's a relearning because that's not our culture. Like that's right. a very western way of thinking. Yeah. Like we're that's supposed to be working together. Communal. And we're not doing that.
3: Yeah, absolutely not. I fear for HBCUs in the time of COVID because we've been living off a of homecoming. Right. What you gonna do now? Mm. <laughs> what you gonna do now oh, when half of your yeah. like your endowment 80% of it goes to paying teachers that should not be you okay. should be having other funds to pay your teachers and your endowment should be for thriving students okay. um, but that's not the case our HBCUs use so much of their money just to keep teachers mm-hmm. and we rely on these other things that are like frivolous to like keep the school going like we're not, I mean, this is going to sound crazy. I went to an HBCU, so you know, I can say it, but <laughs> so many, so often we are not touted for academics. Oh. We're touted for the social. So now that we don't have the social, what are we going to do?
2: Mm-hmm. I always said to my mom, and she's like, Don't you say that you need a 3.9 to even get in the door at Howard. <laughs>
3: now they will turn you now they will turn you down <laughs> yeah, you will you'll get rejected quick quick and they will let you in too but you won't get no money <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: ah that was the that's thing that's <laughs> the name <laughs> of that
3: too <laughs> unless you play in the band right. or you play a sport or you know you'll get a little money that way but that's crazy no HBCU is like that y'all edit that out now so. <laughs> It's okay. Okay, we've, okay. We've had a
0: whole, there's a whole HBCU we've, debate. We've I had like, I black was girls texting. Yeah, I was
1: sitting those. at, um, with a bunch of friends and like most of them went to Harvard and I was like, so if you guys, when you guys have children, your kid wants to go to, or your kid gets into Harvard and Howard, where would you encourage them to go? And they all said Harvard. And I was just like, I get it if like maybe you come from a place where you don't have an, a certain network or I don't know. But like, you guys all went to Howard, Harvard. You guys are all like successful people. I don't know, I just didn't understand the thinking of mm-hmm. like not wanting your kids to go to an HBCU, but I don't know what I'm trying to say.
2: There, no, it's <laughs> the thing that Athena wow. was saying earlier too about the like, where do we put? Where do we place value? Mm-hmm. What if some of us place value, I should say. Yeah.
0: That came to my mind, and when we say, like, invest in ourselves, that first thing that came to my mind was, I was like,
2: damn, I said Harvard, but should I say Howard? I mean, we we talked about this. We said, like, of course, you wouldn't. How could you not be compelled by the reputation of Harvard? I mean, Ivy, all of this. But then also thinking about your kid. Can your kid be in that space? Is it, (laughs) like, it doesn't even matter if the academics are, like, on 100 if your kid feels unsafe and doesn't even want to go to class which is right. literally how I felt in high school and cut mm. class every single day.
1: Right. Mm. Do the professors even care about your kid at Harvard?
2: Exactly.
3: Exactly. That's the thing. You can be like that. That definitely is an up point for HBCU is that <clears throat> they're a bit smaller and you can know your professor, your professor can know you and you're not like a number a lot of times. Um, the... When I was at Clark, we had a really, really good career um, center. So the end of your matriculation, like who's there helping you, that was definitely, Mm -hmm. I understand from people that have gone to Harvard that that does not necessarily happen there as far as your career advancement after you graduate. Um, There's not like a center there that you can go to that's really like embracing you and like, let's think about what you want to do with your life. You know, I, I felt like at Clark Atlanta, it was very much that way, like.
2: On, That's why on, I chose on. Howard for that.
3: Partially, <laughs> <season. laughs>
2: like they were not playing. Like, where we gotta get you a job? You're gonna come out of here with something, right? Like, with
3: right. Yeah. I mean, and it really should be like that. Yeah,
1: <laughs> it should be like that. I mean, all these people have great jobs, but I think what I was thinking of is, like, if every black—I mean, there aren't that many—but if every black billionaire or every black multimillionaire sent their kid to a black school. Mm what would that look like? Right. If every talented athlete played for a, an HBCU, what would mm-hmm. that look like?
2: Mm-hmm. This, that kinda, I thought that happened. I don't know if no. this boy is any good. Cam the, Newton, the, isn't a, a a player? His well, maybe brother that's, yeah, went to, goes to Howard? But most... I mean, of course it happens. So Is no, that your fun happens. fact? His brother? <laughs> His brother. Right. His brother. So I remember where when that go? happens, we were like, <laughs> oh, shit. And I remember he said something about, like, wanting to go to an HBCU. And it should, they should all be going to HBCUs. Declaration. Yeah, pour back into us, yo. What?
3: In those ways, and not, like, as an afterthought, where I'm going to write you a little check one time. Right. 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 But send Maybe. my kid to
1: Harvard.
0: Come on, yeah. Diddy.
2: Right. Call he, him you out. he got the honorary degree. What's up? right What's up? Went for a couple years, but his son went to where ucla <laughs> and then he was beating up the coach oh lord of mercy
0: <laughs> um he's never gonna let us in <laughs> i want to get into our what would you do but really quickly um i wanted to highlight because my last question but we had we touched on this already literally athena hit this out the gate so you Capricorns just can't. Oh, Capricorn, just can't.
3: <laughs> can't let
0: me lead here. Um, I wanted to say, what nature. can we do? And I think that that is um, was really summed up when Athena talked about mentorship. So, to all our listeners, if you all know any resources, please let us know. If and yourselves, you know, you are a resource. Mentorship. Let's start it within our own community um, every day. I continue to sit with Steven in the Hotepere. <laughs> and... You learning more each day? I'm learning more. So, every you know, day. every day, just get ready. Coalition is coming.
1: And You're also, not. listeners, I know our listeners are, like, of all ages. If you are dealing with something yes. and you just, like, want an ear, or I mean, we're not experts, but we've had some experiences, you can reach out to us as mentors as well.
0: Ooh. We got you. Mm-hmm. Let me know what you need. I love finesse, honey. <laughs> that's it.
3: Now you have to take care of yourselves. I was recently introduced to a Ghanaian author, author um Ama, I I do I think that's how you say her last name, but she had an interview like in the '80s with a white journalist from Germany, and the journalist was basically like, you know, listen, listen, guys, if we apologize slavery and what we did to African nations will all be forgiven and she basically responded like I don't need your apology like no you basically came over you felt like you had a need you needed resources and you came and took them so you did what you felt like you had to do to further your society and protect your family It's time for Black people to do what we have to do to further our society and protect our families. So we don't have to keep looking at white people to give us the nod like 2021 is your year. Go ahead, get it. We don't have to look for that. Like We have to, we just have to do this. We have to do, we have to take an assessment of the situation and do whatever it is that we need to do to further our nation and protect our families.
0: Yeah. There's a certain and, group of people whose names I will not name because they really run, you know, most of this world. But y'all knew who I'm talking about. Oh, Lord. And they <laughs> move in a certain way yeah. we that we need happen. to start moving sure. like, because they will never let you forget <laughs> <Right. And that's,
1: laughs> i mean you the say My i think you should athlete. say i think you should be no, explicit, no. I'm explicit girl no. we, ne- we ain't never gonna be on no networks
0: no okay don't well do we've don't this remind
1: everyone so let's remind people well, that slavery sure did. did happen and it's yeah. still the trickle-down effects still yes. exist today very obviously so mm-hmm. but and i also wanted to quickly say something because this also relates okay two things first thing is do y'all remember that I was just thinking about our conversation about confidence and the importance of instilling that in young girls. Do you remember the interview with Venus and Serena Williams when they're children and they're, and yeah. And they're like, the interview is like, so, you know, how do you feel about your skills or something? And I think Venus is like, I think we're really good. I think we're going to win. And the guy's like, well, how are you so sure you're going to win? And she's like, I think we're going to win. And the father immediately steps in and he's like, don't do that. Don't question their their confidence. They know they're gonna win. They answered you, they said that they knew that they were gonna win. Yeah. Stop questioning them about it. Yeah. Yes. Mm. And like that was such a beautiful moment. And I hope they put it in the Will Smith movie that they're making. Mm. Um but yeah, that just taught me or reminded me of like the importance of parents really instilling yeah. that confidence. Yes. Um, and then the other thing is that I was thinking about is we've been having this conversation about girls specifically. And so I would ask for our, the male people in our community, like black Mm. men, um, and even for other women to really think about, you know, what it is to be a black woman, what it is to Mm. be a black girl. I'm even thinking about, and I'm not playing the struggle Olympics, but I'm even thinking about all the black men that have been getting killed. Right. And we know their names. There are a lot of black women who have been getting killed a Mm. lot. And we know Sandra Bland. Mm-hmm. we don't like talk about it we don't um treat it in the same way like even the narrative is like you know if you have sons be careful no if you have daughters you also need to be careful, mm-hmm. real careful. so like mm-hmm. that's just another thing i want to think of and you know malcolm x said it the black woman is the most disrespected person yeah. in america so like we need to just be mindful of that and like take extra care of our women and girls as well
0: Elsie, I'm standing for you in this black look, giving me black Black panther energy. (laughs) Black facts.
1: Yeah, spitting
0: black facts. Um, (laughs) This is great. With all that being said, we have a segment called What Would You Do? Um, We usually sing City High. It sounds real ratchet over Zoom. It don't work on Zoom. Um, Anyways. Okay. So this is a fun one. Talking about black men. So it says, hi ladies. My name is Darius. I'm a black father to a beautiful black daughter. And I recently discovered your show and it has really opened my eyes on many levels. So thank you. I listened to your black AF episode and the subject of your daughter twerking on Instagram or even around you. And I had an immediate adverse reaction to the thought, Hmm. um, to the thought naturally, but I had to work through it. My daughter does things that I call her out on as being, quote unquote, fast, even though she's only 10. But I want to protect her at all costs. Am I projecting onto her? The whole feminism bit is tripping me up. And I don't know if I should just let her mother handle those conversations. Mm -hmm. What do y'all think trying to be a better dad to raise a phenomenal black girl like y'all? Oh, my God.
2: Thanks, Darius. And
1: then I was like, and then he said that.
2: I think he's I mean, trying. he's going through some dad shit. I guess. My dad was, a, it was fucking crazy. <laughs> he said you like, were fast? acting like a psycho. Everything was just like, uh, I don't know. Like, everything was like, you can't be out here like that you got that on like it was just like he would freak out he was terrified all you the time you got that big bump, gal he was probably like
0: stressed like because no, I, I
2: remember the conversation that <laughs> one of his friends was over and they were like mm, you need to watch her it was a woman who also had like yeah. body and um, she was like mm, i remember what it's like for me you need to make sure she's good and i think he's like lost wow. his mind was that <laughs> intensity but like I remember when those conversations were happening and it made me like afraid or like, no. be, like feeling like, like all this shame and like all this stuff. And I don't know. I mean, I think dads are often going to be overprotective, but I, I do think black dads be some next shit in a lot of ways.
3: <laughs> Y'all need to call Darius out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Don't, call you, 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 you could- don't call your daughter fast. Don't call your daughter fast. And she's 10, don't do it. <laughs> don't send it to her mother and act like you're projecting your fear and no, don't do that. Don't think because she's twerking that she's gonna be on her knees somewhere mm. when she turns 17, because you're projecting probably something that you did, so stop. Um that's not like don't don't do it. I would probably take another approach and uh, we we as black parents we need to start having more conversations because why are you why why are you twerking what are you seeing that's making you twerk but also get more educated um, as an adult because we call it twerking and we have put a connotation on it from strip clubs and stuff like that when it actually derives from African dance mm-hmm. so I might go in and try to look at you know where is this coming from and take another spin on it like unfortunately society has put these things on us as a parent one thing that i have um taken up when i feel confused i read the four agreements as a quick read but one thing that it talks about in there and i talk about this in a lot of places that i've talked recently um society's dream. she's booked and busy <laughs> Yes, humble, humble brag. Yeah, <laughs> last week when I was with Oprah, we talked about <laughs> um the four agreements. Talks about society's dream versus your own dream, and we have to break out of believing that society's dream is the end all, be all, and think about what it is that we want. So society has said that twerking is this and twerking is that, but you need to have a conversation with your daughter if you feel that fearful about it about what twerking means to her and when you find out that she's mm. just like i'm just dancing dad then let her be just dancing dad
2: yes <laughs> yeah i agree right like mm-hmm. where like if, if if the the relationship between the between dairy between you darius and your daughter um if you're like She's not seeking attention from men or like all this, right. there's like not all this other stuff intertwined with the dancing and stuff, as you said, like if she's feeling free and she's dancing, that's a different conversation. Um, yeah. I know, I saw you liked this post, Chelsea, that this guy that, you know, posted of his daughter. She has like a portrait of her. She's like maybe one year, year old and like she points to it and is always like, who is that? Who is that? And he's like, it's you. And he'll take it down and tell her to kiss the picture
3: um it's so cute the darius stay involved don't send her to mom. who
2: does that <gasps>
0: Glenn, Glenn that's Step your man? <laughs> oh that's your man's oh i don't follow him mm-hmm. i mean i, I follow him on our other so account cute with that baby. i'm gonna go do some yeah. I'm gonna go, I, I, I met the baby i didn't meet the baby i, I, I know, saw the baby she's, she she she's so, so beautiful it's mad cute I saw
1: the Um, baby with the P.M. I, Darius, I think hopefully you've listened to the entire episode. And at this point, you've realized a little bit about adultification, a little bit about how unfairly it is for Black girls, because I wonder if this was a little white girl moving her butt, right? If you would just be like, oh, she's exploring her body. She's moving her body parts. (laughs) Like, you know what I'm saying? But because it's a little Black girl, it's like sexual or like fast or whatever word you use. (sighs) Um... You're projecting That's a kid, you know? I think, I do wonder though, what your opinion is as a mom on that conversation that we've all experienced of our moms kind of being like, you're black, you can't do that, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Like, you're not like them. Would you yep. think that that's the right way of like, because it is true, we can't do everything white people can do, but like, how do you have that conversation?
3: So it is a struggle because there's a fine line. Um, again, we cannot control society's dream for black people because it's written in a certain way that's not advantageous to our sanity Mm. um but i i don't struggle too much because what i do think about is i'm very intentional about raising her with a certain amount of freedom um because i want her to feel what being a child is i want her ultimately my dream for her is to be a thinker so um i focus on that and so a lot of our conversations revolve around what you're feeling, what you're thinking, what you think about something. Um, and that is a, a huge switch because I didn't grow up um, expressing myself. So it's just definitely learned behavior. And it, it is a struggle, Chelsea, because there is that fine line. Um, but I do it regardless. Um, one thing, like thinking about the young, the baby that you guys are talking about, she I curated because I'm a curator now. You didn't know that, right? Curating, <laughs> so I curated when she was born a YouTube playlist, basically of um, morning everything. So we watched this since she was a baby. What's it called? Now. Oh, it's called <laughs> it's called Maven Molding. So it's a series <laughs> of. <laughs> oh my god a movie. Movie. maven molding, molding. playlist so we have maven molding in the morning maven molding says good night maven molding talks about science we have different little things whatever um so her morning session has a video from fable vision which is an awesome product um, from peter reynolds he's a, a book illustrator uh, he made the book, The Dot and Ish. Um, I don't know if you guys have a oh really, I love really Ish. great series of books. Um, so he has this, it's written by somebody else, but it's from his company, Fable Vision, called Um The Reflection in Me. And it's um really, it's a black girl. I mean, some folks may look at it like oh, it was ambiguous, but no, it's clearly a black girl with a curly afro. And she's looking at herself in a reflection. The reflection starts talking to her. I like being you. Um, You're smart as a rocket scientist. You're as calm as a butterfly. You're beautiful as this. Like She's looking in the mirror. And I put a mirror in front of my daughter and let her copy the Mm -hmm. video every single morning. So um, definitely building a person that um, will think about herself highly. and not be apologetic for it and most of that and I am projecting because I did not grow up that way so um but I think it's a a a necessary and maybe a good projection if that's even Mm. possible in psychology Mm. I don't know but definitely projecting because I grew up um Probably up until just a few years ago, not really expressing how I feel about things and being caught up in situations, especially relationships, whether it's friendship or men. Is that because
0: of her or like, what is that about? That's I'm it. the same way. Oh,
3: no, yeah, I think it is. Gosh, I okay. think it is. Like expression <laughs> and freedom. We, but, talk,
0: we talk openly about this. We
3: but be, we because be her. <laughs> of what Chelsea said, it's that fear of what happens when you leave my nest. Hmm. If you are not acting this way and coming from a strict Western being family also, you have to like be a certain way. And if you're not doing this outside, what is going to happen to you? Just that fear.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: But um, I think one thing that I learned again from a lot of these Buddhist books, but mostly um, I'm thinking about the four agreements is your child doesn't belong to you. Your mm. child belongs to society mm-hmm. to do the thing that they came to do. You, they came through you to do these things so it is your job to give them everything they need to do their thing
2: yeah, yeah.
3: so when you go out into the world you're going to be fine because i am giving you everything you need to soar and thrive yes. that is my job yes so the fine line but i definitely earn the side of you are going to be the shit and you're going to know yes. you're the shit and it's going to be okay
0: she mm-hmm. tells her to kiss her brain, which is like <laughs> the cutest thing I've ever heard. Oh, oh my God! God yes, we used to that. do
2: that too. Kiss your beautiful brain. Yeah, <gasps> you did some great thinking today. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: That made me think of um, you as smart, you as kind. And you
2: <laughs> <isn't>
0: <laughs> <important>. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah, I don't have wow. much to Darius. I think you just need to uh listen to what these ladies said, and your child will be a okay. Yes. Yeah.
2: Yeah, and sorry, I just kind of thought about you touched on this a little bit, Chelsea. But like, don't definitely don't like pawn her off to your wife. Like, mm-hmm. hopefully y'all need to have a voice here for sure. Cause that just sets and a and that relationship and the, those conversations
0: work. are important. Exactly, yeah. and it's so weird when like dads are weird. It's like
2: yeah, right. It just it crea- it's again. It sets a precedent, and nah, she mm. needs to feel safe. And yeah. probably you probably
1: yeah. need a little therapy because that also probably mm. comes from being a black man and not like expressing yourself, emotion talking. Yeah, oh my gosh go I have crazy. a whole thing on Tonight. that y'all
0: we need to do a catch-up episode I have some
1: oh teeth. we need to do a catch-up episode oh my god you
0: got tea? yes girl but Ooh. anyways
2: um Glenn do you want to do your segment you want me to do your segment yeah I, like you can I do want it. you to do <laughs> I mean I, I'll, I'll have you add on but yeah Cena as a listener you know We have a segment called Black Girl Doing Shit. And that's you today. We're talking about the importance of education um, with our Black girls, but also we just had this whole conversation about um, parenting and motherhood and the way you spoke to both of those facets and how those play into molding a Black girl and like uh, viewing her as a person um, and all of her nuances is just like beautiful. Happy early Mother's Day. Yeah, happy national teacher appreciation week. Oh, all All these things (laughs) (laughs) to
0: Um, I want you to plug a few things, and this is gonna take this is gonna go a little over because I want you to share a story, but um my sister has different platforms for parents. Um one is the baby professor, which is through the lens of my niece. um, But it's really helpful. It's the baby prof, P-R-O-F, showing like her different at home activities, doing homeschooling, but Athena, you can speak more on this, but Athena really treats it less like, she found that it's so funny to speak about this (laughs) for you because I've just been watching you do it. But anyways, she found that, um, especially looking at kids' attention spans and just like, the pressures of COVID and all this stuff like it's not gonna be the ideal like sit down and do work so she finds really creative ways to do learning activities Mm -hmm. um whether that's like baking muffins or um playing with toys that she gets for the baby but it'll be like identifying numbers and patterns and colors literally i did her nails and there was like a nail file and it was like pink and and purple and it was like pink purple pink purple and she goes pink and purple pink and purple it's a pattern so like just little tiny things like that um that Keep it fun and light, but keep your kids learning. So definitely check out the Baby Prof, the Baby Professor, um, and then I'll let you speak to the Color Teacher because I feel like it's a little bit more broad. And I heard you talk about your story behind it on the radio show.
3: <laughs> yes, the Color Teacher. I really have to speak in a marketing I I gotta clean that up. But um, it started back in 2012 um I was kind of fresh to the social media game as far as IG was concerned and I was teaching in Harlem at a different school so I was no longer at 149 I was at a school that will forever remain nameless um <laughs> and another district <year's> <laughs> remain nameless <laughs> and um the stress like oh my gosh and I think Like it was one of those schools where you had to go and like through a a metal detector and wait on a Mm -hmm. line and people were beating your bag around before you even got to work. Like it was just crazy. Um, And I think one day I'd gone to work and we had to go in, like walk around the block because someone was killed in front of the school. So they had the block taped off and the police was still there, like body on the ground. Everything was there still. So our kids, you know, are walking past, it was right, right on Morningside, walking past to go to school and had to go around all this craziness. So I was thinking about, you know, the stress of working in a public school and feeling like you're upholding systems that do not aid your community or your people, but you also have to have a living. And like balancing those things out, I think was just like getting to me. So I took the commute. I lived on um In Crown Heights at the time, I was on the three train. Took the three train up, came back to Eastern Parkway, and Eastern Parkway for listeners is like a huge thoroughfare. If you're not in Brooklyn, it's huge. What is it like? Eight lanes across? It's like the six in the middle and then two on the outside, something like that. I don't know. Oh yeah, there are the little sides. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) yeah.
3: I think it's six in the middle um so I'm at the corner you know I'm getting out the train station and I got my headphones in it's just regular but something like wanted me to like step into the traffic like I just felt like I don't need to do this like this is too stressful and in that moment I was just like okay you have to do something else like you cannot keep this stress up you cannot um, live like this and be so unhappy that you wouldn't even care about anything else in the world but just the step in that traffic just to make all this stress just like not happen anymore um so I started going to therapy that I don't think we talked about that in the other show but I started going to therapy I used to see this woman up on 85th street going to therapy I was going like three times a week um I took off from work I was living off the of savings um and had to work that out. And then I eventually went back into um, education because it just kept calling me. Like everything I was doing, like I was, I was homeschooling people at the time, wanted to make some extra money. Everything kept calling me back, but the stress is real mm-hmm. um, with the way these systems are. And, um, and this school, like this week, Teacher Appreciation Week, please appreciate your teachers. Especially now we have our children at home Shoot them an email, give them a word of encouragement, post Mm -hmm. something, whatever it is. And teachers out there definitely, you know, reflect part of being a great teacher and a great practitioner is that reflective practice and reflect on what's happening and take care of yourself. Mm -hmm. That was crazy. Mm -hmm. So that's where the color teacher came from. But the platform is more like to, um, the platform was born to talk about the journey and have an open space for educators to like talk.
1: I love that
0: It stems from for colored girls. Yes, who, right. who considers who suicide suicide. Ah, the okay, right. That's
2: the the yes. Yeah. I was like, yeah. something with the
3: Sorry, rainbow. Yeah, 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 yeah,
2: yeah. It's a Zaki
3: Sharmy. Yeah. Um for colored girls. Yeah.
0: But it's spelled, oh, the colored T C H R. Yeah. Yes. So well peep. All those things. Um, I'm so honored. My sister's like a crazy good educator. We started the episode type late because my boss over here asked me about ratios and shit, and I was like, Yo, come over here. I don't know what's going on. (laughs) Um, But um, yeah, this was so fun. Thank you for joining us. We definitely have to have you on again. Chelsea and I have talked about doing a big sis little sis episode. So, but um, she's a plethora of information over here. I, see um, I took notes. You took notes, that ass? <laughs> <I have> notes. <laughs> yeah. She's like, these these kids ain't gonna get me. <laughs> <laughs>
2: uh, yeah. Oh my gosh.
3: Oh yeah, anytime good. <laughs> I figured that out. After year three, three I was good. <laughs> First three years I stopped. After year three, I started figuring things out. Like, oh <laughs> <laughs> you gotta be crazy. Okay, I can do that. <laughs> um That's tough. well
0: that was another episode of Black Girls texting um we are steadily approaching episode 100 and we Mm. really appreciate all of your support um please continue to dm us email us hello at black girls texting let us know what you want to hear we are really excited about just making dynamic content during these during these times these times times. but no that as like we um are just really inspired by things that y'all send us or things that we find and we want to just take this time to just explore different topics if there are people that you think we should talk to Mm -hmm. um send them our way and thank you thank you for
1: listening
0: and don't forget
1: to email us at hello at blackgirlstexting.com yes and follow our instagram at blackgirlstexting and am
0: i missing
2: Alyssa. 'Cause our our social popping right now. I don't know if y'all Oh, know. yes. Oh,
0: yes. <laughs> we got a new
2: uh, we got a new addition to the team. Yes, we'll give us likes and comments
0: exactly. and things. Yes. And thank you for listening. All right, y'all. Bye. Bye.